This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of hip arthrodesis from the recon section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Hip arthrodesis is the fusion of the hip joint most commonly performed for management of advanced hip arthritis in a select group of patients. Common indications include a salvage option for a failed total hip arthroplasty and for young active laborers with painful unilateral ankylosis after infection or trauma. The ideal hip fusion position is 20 to 35 degrees of flexion, 0 to 5 degrees of adduction, and 5 to 10 degrees of external rotation. Now let's get into the episode. Starting with biomechanics, in terms of pathomechanics, this reduces efficiency of gait by approximately 50%. It also increases pelvic rotation of the contralateral hip and increases the stress at adjacent joints. In terms of biochemistry, hip arthrodesis can increase oxygen consumption and requires 30% more energy expenditure for ambulation. Now let's talk about primary hip arthrodesis and conversion of fusion to a total hip arthroplasty. So a primary hip arthrodesis is indicated as a salvage option for a failed total hip arthroplasty, which is the most common indication. Other indications include young active laborers with painful unilateral ankylosis after infection or trauma, neuropathic arthropathy, and tumor resection. Contraindications include active infection, severe limb length discrepancy greater than 2 centimeters, bilateral hip arthritis, adjacent joint degenerative changes such as in the lumbar spine, contralateral hip or ipsilateral knee, severe osteoporosis, degenerative changes in the lumbar spine, and contralateral total hip arthroplasty. And it's important to point out that there's an increased failure rate of approximately 40% in total hip arthroplasty when there is a contralateral hip arthrodesis. Moving on to conversion of a fusion to a total hip arthroplasty, indications include severely debilitating back pain, which is the most common indication, severe ipsilateral knee pain with instability, and severe contralateral hip pain. Be sure to obtain a preoperative EMG to assess the status of the gluteus medius. This is because a constrained acetabular component is required if the abductor complex is non-functional. As far as outcomes, clinical outcome is dependent on abductor complex function. The presence of hip abductor complex weakness or dysfunction requires prolonged rehabilitation, and keep in mind that a severe lurching gait may develop. As far as the techniques for a hip arthrodesis, the goal is to achieve apposition of the arthrodesis surfaces, obtain rigid internal fixation, and promote early mobilization. Optimal positioning for function and limited effect on adjacent joints includes 20 to 35 degrees of flexion, 0 to 5 degrees of adduction, and 5 to 10 degrees of external rotation. Be sure to avoid abduction as it creates pelvic obliquity and increased back pain. As far as the approach, a lateral approach with trochanteric osteotomy is preferred. It's important to preserve the abductor complex and avoid injury to the superior gluteal nerve. An anterior approach to the hip is also popular. Instrumentation involves cobra plating. In terms of complications, the ones to know include low back pain, ipsilateral knee degeneration and laxity, and contralateral hip degeneration. Low back pain can be improved by taking down the hip arthrodesis, but overall improvement depends on abductor function. Finally, in terms of prognosis, hip arthrodesis provides pain relief and reasonable clinical results in most patients. Success may be limited by adjacent joint degeneration in 60% of patients. The lumbar spine, ipsilateral knee, or contralateral hip may be affected. Low back pain and arthritic ipsilateral knee pain are the most common symptoms, and may start within 25 years of hip arthrodesis. 
Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over one quick question to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic might be tested. You are caring for an 18-year-old boy with severe hip arthritis and pain from a missed slipped capital femoral epiphysis. You decide that a hip arthrodesis is the best treatment option. What is the optimum position for a hip arthrodesis to maximize function and prevent complications? And the choices are 1, 0 degrees of external rotation, 0 degrees of adduction, and 0 degrees of hip flexion. 2, 5 degrees of external rotation, 5 degrees of adduction, and 20 degrees of hip flexion. 3, 5 degrees of external rotation, 15 degrees of abduction, and 5 degrees of hip flexion. 4, 15 degrees of external rotation, 0 degrees of adduction, and 20 degrees of hip flexion. And 5, 15 degrees of external rotation, 15 degrees of abduction, and 5 degrees of hip flexion. The correct answer to this question is 2, 5 degrees of external rotation, 5 degrees of adduction, and 20 degrees of hip flexion. So hip arthrodesis is a salvage procedure for patients with hip arthritis without ipsilateral knee, contralateral hip, or lumbar spine pathology. The optimal position for hip arthrodesis is 5 degrees of adduction, 5 to 10 degrees of external rotation, and 20 to 35 degrees of hip flexion. In their review, Buell et al. discussed the current indications and techniques regarding hip arthrodesis, including appropriate leg position, surgical techniques, methods to optimize function, and later conversion to hip arthroplasty. Callaghan et al. evaluated the long-term efficacy, defined as 20 to 25 years, of hip arthrodesis. They found the onset of ipsilateral knee, contralateral hip, or lumbar spine pathology usually began 20 years after the arthrodesis. Of their patients, they found a 15% rate of conversion to hip arthroplasty by 20 years. That's all for this review about hip arthrodesis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.